Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. While the world is all gloomy and full of despair One thing that might help you is comfy loungewear But I mean it won't help with a war or you know a raging disease But it will help you sit on your bottom with enjoyment and ease Ooh, British boxers, they sell lovely pants and pajamas Ooh, British boxers, which might help you deal with global dramas Ooh, British boxers, they are a really nice sort So go check their range from t-shirts to boxer shorts British Box is a very ethically lovely loungewear and underwear company who just the other week went viral on Twitter for posting swears about Nigel Farage. So what more could you want? And with the code PARPOLBRO15, you get 15% off any order what you do on their site at british-boxes.com. So don't just forget that while everything out there seems quite mad That some things might be pants and yet also not bad Ooh, British boxers British box don't sell boxers So please don't try to buy any of your favourite boxing legends from their website Or they will ignore your email Barry McGuigan is not for purchase And we please stop contacting them to ask Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that I'm amazed ever gets done, to be honest, when, you know, I make it from home and somehow I have to fit it in between all the coffee and the trips to the fridge to get some cheese. I'm Tina Duyeb and this week as Conservative MP and man who is the exact casting call fit for a serial killer in a gritty northern drama, Lee Anderson, says the main cause of food poverty is people's lack of cooking skills. That's obviously a very personal issue to him as he's clearly a victim of missing several necessary ingredients, looking horribly overdone and all of his opinions are lacking in taste. The term nanny state has been used in British politics quite a lot in the past, usually referring to when the government interfere with us smoking or drinking ourselves to death, or conditions on sugar in food, because actually, the state, I think you'll find we want our teeth to fall out, and then we can save costs on dentistry and toothbrushes and anything harder to eat than soup, while having a truly British appearance that matches our government's toothless approach to everything. But really, right now, we are living in a nanny state. And by that, I mean one where everyone in charge of the country is so used to having paid help run around after them that they don't think they're responsible for anything. 
I'm curious as to what, in their private lives, the government actually do for themselves and are happy to acknowledge as so. Is every time they've forgotten to feed a pet the fault of the animal for not knowing how to make its own food? Is every time they can't find their keys the fault of the keys themselves for not being available at every second of the day? Is every poorly done arsewipe actually the responsibility of toilet roll manufacturers for not creating something that perfectly absorbs all the remnants of their £400 breakfasts? In fact, so many things now aren't remotely the government's fault that it's questionable what it is they do other than point out things that they definitely haven't done or can't do. Are they that powerless to stop anything or do anything? Is being elected to be in government now some sort of political straitjacket and by putting these people in such a job are we simply handcuffing them while screaming in their face Ha 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 ha, you're powerless now, watch while we all think so hard that gas prices rise and you can do absolutely nothing about it. For example, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak, who in his previous job sat on top of a young chef's hat and puppeteered his cooking, said that he was prevented from raising benefits in line with the cost of living crisis by his computer. Wow! Which operating system do you use, Rishi? Windows Shyster? Apple OS Exile? Is it maybe because his computer said he had to verify his location, but he couldn't work out if he was in the UK or America, let alone where on earth his wife was? Can you imagine being the Chancellor of the Exchequer, in charge of the entire UK's financial policy, but absolutely unable to do anything about it because the computer says no arseholes? Apparently, the systems can only do such a task once a year, like it's a Conservative Father Christmas, because for those not on Universal Credit, everything goes through a 40-year-old system, and I suppose having a donkey deliver the one hard disk that can make changes takes quite a while. What really bad timing. And just as Rishi Sunak said he's ready to help on the cost of living crisis, but you know, isn't actually doing anything yet because he's probably struggling to enable macros or something. The Bank of England, I should say, are also to blame, not just computers, for underestimating just how much inflation might rise, and the government want to make the independent body more accountable. Which probably means taking the Bank of England's independence away, bringing it under government control, where it will continue to be really shit, but they'll be able to blame it on dodgy Wi-Fi or not formatting a USB stick correctly. The Treasury did spend £250,000 on focus groups last year though because the little paperclip must have popped up asking if Rishi wants help to waste taxpayers' money on vanity projects. Still, at least now Sunak is certain what sort of image he needs the public to see him having. And it turns out it's that of someone who's both a Luddite and yet who can also only ever see everything in a strictly binary way. Prime Minister Boris Johnson, a man composed of at least 45% soft cheese and the rest is just a manifestation of a sinking feeling, he's in Northern Ireland because he says the Northern Ireland Protocol is now a political problem. Presumably it wasn't a problem when he said it was the best deal ever and implemented it because at that point he didn't understand what it meant. This was the deal that you might remember was oven ready but presumably not having anyone to work the oven for him meant it just sat there while the Prime Minister hoped it would cook itself. The DUP are still refusing to join the Northern Ireland Executive and do the only job that they have are still getting paid for and don't do properly in the first place unless the protocol is sorted out. Though if I was on endless furlough I'd pretend I wasn't happy with something that would take months to sort out too. The DUP see the protocol as detaching Northern Ireland from the rest of the UK but their party is regularly detached from reality and they impose that on the country so I kind of think it's fairsies. The EU don't want the British government to shred the protocol, not only because it's the deal Johnson signed and lauded and it will threaten peace in Northern Ireland, but also because it will probably mean sitting in a room with the Prime Minister and probably now escaped specimen from the Museum of Pathology, Jacob Rees-Mogg, and the EU couldn't imagine anything worse. Currently, the plea seems to be for the EU to be as flexible with the UK as they've been with Ukraine. Though that's a bit like demanding you get rushed to A&E as quickly as the victim of a terrorist attack because you just told all your mates you were going to do the coolest party trick ever and you ended up shooting yourself in the foot. 
Are Sweden and Finland not worried that they've signed a mutual security pact with the UK last week? There's every chance that were they to come under attack, Boris Johnson would claim protecting them wasn't in the security deal to protect them and threaten to cancel it, as actually we need our military to deal with a number of self-inflicted issues like flooding or lack of medical staff, so we really don't have time to help others. Meanwhile, any refugees from Finland or Sweden hoping to come over will find themselves rerouted to Rwanda, as Johnson insists they're doing everything they can, but how are they to know they'd actually have to read the pact at any point? As we teeter on the brink of a trade war with the European Union, once again the government have chosen Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, a broken ATM of a person, to head up the front line with her threats to trigger Article 16, probably only because she thinks she can get a photo shoot out of signing it or setting fire to it, or whatever she'll get to do, though she's unsure as she's never really looked into what it is before. All of the 27 EU member states have avoided a recession after the pandemic, so by putting sanctions on the UK, it'll be really nice for them to get a close-up view of what could have been, as we here become somewhere tourists can flock to see what happens to people living only on radioactive vegetables from Fukushima. At least those vegetables might cook themselves, and that would please Lee Anderson, the MP for Ashfield, whose political record includes being investigated for anti-Semitism and saying poor people should be put on forced labour camps, which when said together really paints his profile as the kind you'd only see after someone had been involved in a school shooting. Last week he insisted that food banks aren't really needed in the UK, it's down to generation after generation who cannot cook properly. I mean, it's very weird how all those generations just lost that ability from 2010 onwards, isn't it Lee? But no, it's not the cost of living crisis, not the government that is at fault. According to Anderson, you can make a meal that costs just 30p, but he's not taking into consideration the energy costs needed to cook it, the time needed, the ability to bulk buy, or the fact that most people can't survive entirely on a diet of out-of-date Ginster's pasties like he clearly does. Anderson said he proved it could be done, though, by having a day where he and some chefs made 180 meals for 50 quid, which is about 30p a meal. And that does show, indeed, that it can be done, and it's a shocker as to why more people using food banks don't get it done by having an entire team of staff, an industrial-scale kitchen, and professional help. And frankly, it's just lazy of them to not bother. Anderson had invited MPs to visit a food bank in his constituency, where those getting food parcels now have to register for a budgeting and cooking course, presumably so once they've done them, they'll then have better skills than a Prime Minister who doesn't know when something's oven ready or not, or MPs like Anderson who claimed over £222,000 on expenses last year. Still, that does explain why he's able to have meals for just 30p, it's because he claims all the rest of the cost. Home Office Minister Rachel McLean, whose default smile is one that looks like she's about to try and eat you, suggested people could survive the cost of living crisis by just taking on more hours at work or getting a better job. Yes, it is that easy. And if you're already so lazy that you work all the hours of the day but you don't earn enough money, then why not stop whinging and just learn to freeze time so you can fit more hours in and work until you die? Oh, and in between working all the hours, don't forget to do that cookery course, okay? Food banks are a complicated issue, said Rishi Sunak last week, probably because for him he understands both of those words but not together, and he's turned the screen brightness right down by accident and he can't see anything he googles. Taxpayers subsidised £17 million of food in the House of Commons over the last three years, and I think maybe MPs just don't know how to cook properly and we'd save a lot of money if they were forced to go on a course before using the restaurants and bars. No one would be at home to cook things anyway if it was up to the Prime Minister, who is once again calling for workers to return to offices, as he said when he worked from home, he was constantly distracted by making coffee and eating cheese. It does explain a lot that he struggles to work from home, while his home is literally the place that he also works. Though, we must also remember that Johnson insisted many of the illegal lockdown parties at number 10 were actually him working, which makes you wonder if he can only work at home when parties are going on around him. 
Maybe the further 50 fines for illegal parties given to staff at number 10 last week by the Met were for Boris Johnson's emotional support parties. Perhaps rather than live in number 10, Johnson could be relocated to a children's soft play, endlessly surrounded by noisy parties and then he'd probably get absolutely tons done. Actually, no, sorry, there'd be kids there, so he'd just keep denying he knew any of them and then go AWOL. Brexit Opportunities Minister Jacob Rees-Mogg, yes, that prick again, still insists Partygate is a non-story in which the public is losing all interest, which we know isn't true, as that would mean he'd spoken to a member of the public and he generally avoids doing that at all costs. Mogg says the issue is with fixed penalty notice, as there should be a trial to prove you're guilty of criminal conduct. Brilliant, let's get the Prime Minister on trial then. Thanks, Reesey. I'm sure he'd love to prove how he gets distracted by cheese at a social event too, meaning that it's definitely work. Home Secretary Priti Patel, the only person rejected from Hydra for breaching their ethical and moral standards, has admitted it will take longer than planned to send refugees to Rwanda because of meddling from liberal lawyers. Yeah, damn them for meddling with the law like their job entails. The best way to stop that happening, though, would of course be to not have policies that run lawful, though, you know, maybe the computer only lets them do that once a year. It is tricky though, isn't it? Fixed penalty notice don't give someone a trial so they aren't fair, but also by actually following the law and checking policy adheres to it, lawyers are being troublesome. Ugh, what to do? I can't believe Priti Patel is really anti-traffickers, when if she's really not that bothered about the legality of what she's doing, she could just pay a load to take people away for her. It's these teetering between the two that's really pathetic. I mean, come on Priti, either back down and follow sovereign British law, or just go full slave trader, I say. I mean, the latter would obviously be horrific, but at least we could look forward to pushing a statue of into the sea at some point. During the Queen's Speech Commons debate, Patel detailed plans for a spy bill to stop covert spies in the UK. You know, as opposed to those overt spies who just can't stop letting everyone know what they're up to. It's me, I'm spying on you, I'm right here! It makes me wonder if when Pretty Patel said she went to the Bond premiere for work, that it was for research, and she now genuinely thinks all international spies introduce themselves with surname, first name, surname, and if they don't, they're clearly covert and wrongins. The Home Secretary also described plans to overhaul human rights law on account of her thinking a large number of people just aren't and don't deserve it. In her speech, she accused Labour of defending foreign murderers and paedophiles coming to the UK, which no doubt she's against, as with the Royal Family and former Tory MP for Wakefield, we're already full. Thank you very much. Speaking of the Queen's speech, it, well, wasn't. Lizzie decided that shit wasn't worth her reading and so she pretended she was too ill to do it and they didn't even try to get her on Zoom on one of those screens on wheels where the first bit would be on mute and someone called Mr Fuckboy would hack into it in the first two minutes and then do all of the swears. She is doing a number of duties on Zoom and the press keeps saying she's becoming the first ever Zoom monarch but I didn't think she wore trousers much beforehand either. I was hoping that as the Queen couldn't do the speech at the opening of Parliament, they'd get someone who's done the Channel 4 alternative Queen's speech at Christmas. But instead, harrowed cauliflower Prince Charles had to cover for his mum and tell us all how tough times are now that we'll have to pay more to heat all of his homes. Madge's crown had to come in a car all by itself and sit on a stool next to Charles on his golden throne, an image that really said we're all in this together. It's so bizarre that in a country we can watch a hat get put in a limo and then placed on a special cushion and be okay with that, and at the same time, I'd sort of prefer if all the royals were replaced by hats and then calling it the Crown Estate would be a bit funny and not just depressing. To be fair to Charles, he did read out the speech with all the enthusiasm of a small 73-year-old boy who's been told that he has to by his mum. 38 bills were announced, including plans to make all schools have to be academies, as it's not fair to current academies that they're made to look shit by council-run ones. There was also the Modern Slavery Bill, which will supposedly tackle slavery supply chains, almost certainly by Pretty Patel legalising them and then running them herself. 
and what there wasn't were any plans to fix the cost of living crisis. And levelling up secretary, and you know when you chew your food and you put it on your tongue and you make someone look at it, but for a face, Michael Gove, was asked if there'd be an emergency budget for such things. He just did a terrible Harry Enfield impression, then a bad American accent, and the word cocaine trended across social media. But it is very hard to tell if Michael Gove was drug-addled or not, as to be honest, he's always that unfunny, arrogant and fucking weird. Then again, maybe his advice is simply if you're full of Class A's, you probably won't want to eat as much, thus saving plenty for your heating. Unless, of course, you've also got the sweats, and then you won't need that either. Actually quite a good plan. But if Gove was on cocaine, it could be his emotional support cocaine, as without them, he's completely unable to work. And anyway, what is he meant to say when it's not the government's fault that so many people are falling into poverty? You know, it's the computer, or the Bank of England, or the war in Ukraine, or liberal lawyers, or the EU, or people working from home, or the last Labour government, or children, or bees, or the works of Michelangelo, or the long-lasting effects of the Opium War from 1839 to 1842, or that tree over there, or the concept of time, or Michael Barrymore, or the sunshine, or the moonlight, or the good times. And if you don't understand that, then frankly you deserve to be poor and you should just learn how to cook while working in all of the jobs all at once and stop whinging about how the government should do better. Because as we know, they can't actually do anything at all. Well, until that one day a year the computer works anyway. In other news, Wakefield's constituency Labour Party walked out of the final selection meeting for the choice of candidate for the upcoming by-election, accusing Labour HQ of a stitch-up because all the local candidates had been stripped out. Still, what good would it do Labour to have a candidate that actually knows the area when they're never going to visit anyway and they're going to base their entire campaign on not being a paedophile like the former Tory one but in a way that feels like they're protesting too much and then no one will trust them. The date for the by-election hasn't been set yet so while Labour are expected to win there's still adequate time for them to ruin it by not really trying. Nazneen Zaghari Ratcliffe and her family had a face-to-face meeting with Boris Johnson for the first time since she was imprisoned in Iran, and she told him she'd been living in the shadows of his wrong comments for years, when the Prime Minister, though at the time Foreign Secretary, wrongly claimed she was a journalist. Apparently Johnson looked very shocked, but he didn't at all apologise, and that's probably because it took him a few seconds after hearing Your Mistake Has Had a Lasting Impact to realise she wasn't talking about something one of his kids had done. A statue of former Prime Minister and first human to live without any functioning heart, Margaret Thatcher, was egged within hours of it being erected in Grantham, which is a shock as everyone assumed it would be done much quicker than that. Honestly though, with people being unable to afford food right now, it is absolutely abhorrent that even in bronze, Thatcher continues to take away people's dairy goods. And lastly, the UK came second in the Eurovision Song Contest on Saturday thanks to singer Sam Ryder, who looked like a cross between Nickelback and a student's rug. He sang a song about being an astronaut, which was obviously popular across Europe as a parody comedy song on account of how he'll never achieve that dream after we left the European Space Agency. Ukraine were the winners overall, but to really support the country, the UK should have stepped up and offered to host next year's contest, if only so we could watch most of the acts get stopped at border control and most of the competition have to happen in a shit-filled lorry park near Dover. Yo, Paul Broads, how goes things? Uh, it's just a short episode this week because I have things to do, okay? And by that, I mean I'm working from home and I keep being distracted by cheese. It's funny, isn't it, that when I think uh, about Boris Johnson saying that, I think it's the first time I've ever related to anything he's ever said or done. I mean, I'm always distracted by cheese, even when there's no cheese around. I'm aware that the working from home argument is almost certainly spurred on by many of the Conservatives' pals owning big office blocks that they're going to lose rent on. But also, I have a feeling it's because none of them do any work from home at all. And it's just a major projection, isn't it? Like everything they say is. One day there's going to be a psychologist who will term a special type of narcissistic qualities as simply conservatism. Oh, you're suffering from conservatism. Yes, you're clearly a conservative. And it'll open a whole new field study based entirely on people who think that because they can't cook, absolutely no one else can. Then again, I do the same. You know, I can't backflip, so I assume most people can't backflip either. But then that makes more sense because most of them actually can't. Or maybe they can. 
I'm being a snob and I'm just sort of judging them by how they look. But if they can backflip, why aren't they doing it all the time? I'd backflip everywhere if I could do it. To the shops, taking my daughter to nursery, just everywhere all the time. Which makes me assume people can't or can, but realise that maybe it's best not to do it while holding hands with a four-year-old and trying to cross a large road. Yeah, I haven't really thought this through. Anyway, uh, mini podcast this week because I failed to get a guest. Look, I've got stuff on, all right. And yes, by that, I still mean eating cheese. So just a very quick thanks to James and Scott for donations to the show this week. And if you want to do that, which you do, right? I mean, you know, one way out of this cost of living crisis is to give me all of your money. No, don't Google it. I swear it's true. Proper economics and stuff. <clears throat> Definitely. Who's the expert here? Not me. Fair. But anyway, um, anyway, you can do that by doing a one-off donation at Kofi, ko-fi.com forward slash Bro, Or better still, just give me a monthly donation of even £1 a month to patreon.com forward slash Bro, Which would be super nice of you. And why wouldn't you want to do that? So I'll, I'll tell other people you're nice. I definitely will. Um, the only other thing to mention on this ad mini bit is that the kids politics show I do with Tatton at Simple Politics is at the Lighthouse in Poole on May the 31st. Uh, there are two shows at 2pm and 7pm and it's suitable for all ages from 7 plus if you fancy that. Uh, it's called How Does This Politics Thing Work Then? And tickets are at lighthousepool.co.uk or in the link I popped in the podcast blurb. Uh, hopefully normal sized episode next week though I may have messed up guests again so we will see. But until then, a very quick this. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Last week at the opening of Parliament, a hat sat on a mat on a table, which ruined the rhyme, next to a gangly house elf in fancy dress, and the latter read out a speech that the Queen was meant to, but she skived off because even she didn't want to have to pretend to think any of it was any good. This Queen's speech, like all before, set out what the British government are pretending they'll do over the next parliamentary term, but almost certainly won't achieve, will have to U-turn on, or some of them will push through with so little scrutiny that they'll then blame someone else for it going wrong in a few years' time. So what are these 38 bills I hear you cry? Well, firstly, don't cry. It's really, you don't need to do that. Actually, maybe maybe do. Um, But I'm glad you asked. Uh, Here is a very quick run through of all 38 of them. That's right. It's a 38 countdown and what they're going to supposedly do. 
At number one, levelling up and regeneration bill. Yeah, levelling up. You know what that means, don't you? Everyone does. It's obvious. It means things will um, level up by, you know, uh, levelling up. And the government will level it up. Uh, this bill will do all the vague things like drive local growth. How? No one knows. Empower local leaders to regenerate their areas so the government don't have to do it. And give residents more involvement in local development so nothing will actually get built. Because, oh dear noise, and my perfect view of the traffic on the dual carriageway will be ruined. Michael Gove has already said this bill will be harder to do now because of costs, so expect it to be reduced to the occasional extra postbox here and there, and constituency Tory MPs will get a Shetland pony visiting the town square every third month. At number two, the schools bill. The schools bill will reform education and offer targeted support to children and families most in need across England. Except what it seems it'll actually do is force all schools to convert so they're run by an academy trust, meaning local government has absolutely zero responsibility over them and they will control their own curriculums, term dates, safeguarding policies and school hours. Ofsted reports show council-run schools actually do better than academies, so I suppose this government bill will make every school equally as rubbish. Oh, I see. Targeted support, as in shooting them down to ruin their life chances. Number three, Transport Bill. There will be a new public body called Great British Railways, which will supposedly provide clear lines of accountability and more reliable services. Yes, it does sound like renationalisation, doesn't it? Except GBR will oversee which operators to give contracts to, so it'll actually just mean that all the trains will go to whichever of Grant Chaps' school friends had a model railway set. Number four, energy security bill. This will extend the currently unsuitable energy price cap beyond 2023, rather than, you know, lowering it and making it more affordable. And it will focus on cheaper, cleaner and more secure energy, even though nothing the government have done so far show any evidence of that. And Johnson went over to Saudi Arabia to do smooching, but not smooching, that would be illegal, while there's talk about more fracking. So I think actually this energy security bill is more about keeping the shitty energy we have really goddamn secure. Five, draft digital markets, competition and consumer bill. This is new legislation to strengthen consumer rights after leaving the EU got rid of some of them. The government reckons consumers are burdened by £1.8 billion of unwanted subscriptions. And I want to know which of you grasped on this podcast. Hmm? Hmm? Who did it? Own up. The legislation will also tackle fake reviews. So again, I'm not saying that this is all about me, but I, I mean, there goes my lovely five stars from definitely Karl Marx. Number six, the UK Infrastructure Bank Bill. This one is vague, but it's part of the government's bigger strategy to deliver net zero by 2050, aka when this government won't be in power, so they won't have to answer why it hasn't happened. I mean, they wouldn't anyway, even if they were, and actually they might still be in power. Oh, God. Seven, non-domestic rating bill. This one will create fairer, more accurate business rate system for those that survived the lack of support during the pandemic. Isn't that nice? Better late than never. Eight, media bill. This is the one that will privatise Channel 4 for no reason other than Nadine Dorries doesn't understand how she can be watching people watching TV and is worried that might mean someone is watching her watching TV, watching people watching TV, and that really scares her. Number nine, product security and telecommunications infrastructure bill. This will aim to get 4G coverage over 95% of the UK by 2025, meaning that everyone everywhere can download the news about whatever awful shit the government has done now even quicker. 10. Electronic Trade Documents Bill. This will give electronic trade documents the same legal status that paper documents have, which is a great idea. You'll notice just trade though, because if they did it for immigration or proof of ID documents, then the Home Office wouldn't be able to lose them as easily. 11. Draft Audit Reform Bill. This will make a new statutory regulator called the Audit Reporting and Governance Authority. What will it be in charge of? Uh, audits, reports and governance, I guess. I don't know everything, alright? Leave me alone. 
12. Brexit Freedoms Bill. This is the one that any laws retained from our EU days could be amended, replaced or repealed with legislation that better suits the UK. And by that, they mean change so it's the complete opposite and will do nothing for you anymore. Or exactly the same, but it has the word British in it so they can kind of pretend that they thought of it. And aren't they brilliant? In at number 13, Financial Services and Markets Bill. It's kind of like the one above. This is for financial regulation that's designed for the UK instead of the EU one, so it allow for city boys to crash the economy again and Rishi Sunak's family to own absolutely everything. 14. The Data Reform Bill. An overhaul of the UK's data rights and law framework, which could be good and needed, or it would just mean they own every time you do mean tweets about them and then have you deported. 15. Trade Australia and New Zealand Bill. This one is going to boost trade with Australia and New Zealand, which I'm sure is going to help that net zero aim previously mentioned. Still, though, with the cost of living crisis, meaning so few people will be able to afford holidays, I suppose it's really nice that all our food will be managing to travel. 16. Genetic Technology Precision Breeding Bill No, this isn't regulation just for the Prime Minister. This is to develop precision-bred plants and animals, which I think means like pigs that can shoot a target from a distance and therefore become war pigs. Maybe. 17. Higher Education Bill. More school reforming, but for older kids and a loan that's the equivalent to a student one, but you can use it for anything, so even if you don't go to uni, you can still feel the pressure of constant crushing debt while being unable to find a job. And that is equality right there. Number 18. Social Housing Regulation Bill. This will enshrine housing tenants' rights and the ability of renters to hold their landlords to account over housing issues, which I think sounds great, but I'm sure we'll have some small print saying landlords can get around it by evicting you and getting in someone else for a 150% rent increase while the walls are still falling in and rats provide a constant soundtrack. Number 19. Renters' Reform Bill. Oh wait, actually, take back what I said before. This will abolish no-fault evictions and allow tenants to challenge unfair rent rises. So maybe it'll be great, though I bet the cost of challenging it will be some estate agent charging you 20 quid for every page of paper you have to fill in in a 500-page document. Yes, I am a pessimist. What of it? Number 20. Harbour's Seafarers' Remuneration Bill. After the whole P&O ferry shiz, this will stop ferries from docking at UK ports if they don't pay their workers properly. And now I really want there to be a TV show about a group of people trapped on a ferry for eternity and having to try to escape. Number 21. Social Security. Special Rules for End of Life Bill. This one will change the definition of terminal illness to being 12 months or less rather than the current 6 months. So towards the end of your life, people will get access to key benefits and have more time, I guess, to plan whatever their last words will be. Though I'm already aiming for mine to be, whatever happens, remember the secret treasure is hidden in, and then die. 22. Public Order Bill. This one will stop protesters using guerrilla tactics. No, I don't mean eating bananas. I just mean by criminalising gluing themselves to things or blocking roads. So, protesters are going to have to think of new ways to make Pretty Patel lose her shit. What if, though, what if protesters glue themselves to the police arresting them and then no one can go anywhere and it stops everything? Yeah, I'm a genius. Number 23. National Security Bill. This is the one stopping international espionage unless they donate enough to the Conservative Party and then it's fine. 24. Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill. This one will strengthen anti-laundering efforts and other criminal activity in the UK and no doubt help collate data so they can send all that money as donations to the Conservative Party instead. 25. Modern Slavery Bill. This is the one that tackles that really vague term of modern slavery that most of the common immigration policies actually aid. I mean, really, if this bill was any use, it'd just cancel out most of what Pretty Patel does, but I'm guessing it won't do that. 26. Draft Protect Duty Bill. This is, like one I mentioned before, a draft bill, which means it's full of air. No, jokes, is open to consultation. Whether or not the government will listen to any advice, I've absolutely no idea. But this will give security requirements to venues at risk of terror attacks. But I mean, they already take the bottle caps off you, so I mean, what else could be done? Everyone's eyes are safe. 
Number 27, draft mental health act reform bill. Another draft one to modernise the Mental Health Act so the definition of mental health disorder isn't just the handful of conditions it currently applies to and that is great and that means even more people spend months and months and possibly years waiting for an NHS appointment to help them with it. 28, Bill of Rights. This is the one that replaced the Human Rights Act and you'll note that now says Bill of Rights doesn't actually have the word human in it anymore. Apparently it will end abuses of the human rights framework by which I think Pretty Patel means allow her to send even more people to Rwanda. 29. Northern Ireland Troubles Legacy and Reconciliation Bill. This one is already causing um, troubles. I really wanted a better word there. I'm so sorry, everyone. This bill would give immunity to veterans from prosecutions over deaths during the Troubles. Basically, if British soldiers just killed people willy-nilly, they'll get away with it rather than face the justice the victims' families have been seeking for quite so long. Uh, which doesn't really sound great, does it? It was going to be a blanket amnesty, but now the government have gone back on this and said, actually, it'll be a case-by-case basis, which is better, as that means only their favourite murderers will get away with it. And I'm sure that would be a huge relief to any families of victims. Number 30, Identity and Language Northern Ireland Bill. This one is for the Northern Ireland Executive if it ever gets up and running ever again, and it will implement bits like granting official status to both Irish language and Ulster Scots, and repeal a ban from 1737, which is when many of the DUP were born, to use Irish language in courts. 31, Conversion Therapy Bill. Another controversial one, because this sets out to ban conversion therapy, but not for trans people or anyone over 18. The statement said it will set out to ban abhorrent practices which do not work and cause extensive harm. But if you're trans or 19 and over, then enjoy your extensive harm and abhorrent practices. See, don't say this government don't give anything to the youth, eh? Boycotts, divestment and sanctions bill. This will stop the rise of discrimination and by discrimination they mean BDS protests which have been used in the past to protest things like, you know, apartheid and currently used to protest against the Israeli government's occupation of Palestine and horrific shooting of journalists. But obviously, much better to protest that sort of stuff while eating all their snacks and boosting their economy, right? That'll show them. Maybe we could do some sort of reverse BDS policy where we'd see so many of the offending nation's goods that they run out and then have a food crisis. Just a thought. Then these guys are continuing bills. 33, High Speed Rail, Crew Manchester Bill. For the next bit of HS2, no, not the bit that was cancelled, the other bit from Crew to Manchester, so people can be unable to afford tickets on even faster journeys. 34, Procurement Bill. This will make the public sector procurement easier, which I'd love to say I understand, but I don't. But I think it's good, but it also might not be. You're welcome. You don't get this sort of expertise on other politics podcasts, do you? Exactly. 35. Online Safety Bill. This one was meant to go through earlier this year and it's all about making social media platforms safer but at the same time has zero clause about banning Nadine Dorries from all of them. 36. Draft Victims Bill. This will strengthen and simplify the rights and support for victims of crime but I suppose it will depend on who did the crime and if they are in the cabinet at the time. 37. Animal Welfare Kept Animals Bill. This one will recognise the capacity of animals to feel pain and suffering particularly spineless creatures so lucky day for Matt Hancock. 38. Higher Education Freedom of Speech Bill. This one will punish universities if they don't protect freedom of speech, which currently they all do, and there's only one case where they didn't, but actually then they did, and it was more of the person's right to be... Anyway, looking forward to days and days of debate on this. So universities can be told that they can't keep doing what they're already doing, but then also keep doing it, all for the sake of a culture war and a couple of headlines. So that's all 38 builds and a mini explanation for all but one of them. No, I won't Google what public procurement is. Okay, I will. Okay, I still don't understand it. You look it up. I did the other 37. What more do you want? Anyway, do you have a favourite? Do you have a favourite of 38? I'm going to go for the one that will breed war pigs, but only because I find the idea of David Cameron waving one of them off to the front line very funny. 
which will pass. Well, probably all of them, unless the government ever lose their majority. But how many will actually happen uh, is a whole different kettle of fish, which probably won't be allowed under the Animal Welfare Bill. And rightly so, shouldn't put fish in a kettle. Actually, I guess that Animal Welfare Bill probably cancels out the war pigs too, doesn't it? Ah, oh, see, every single time this government managed to fuck it up. Every time. <laughs> And that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast, because as they say, all good things must come to an end, which is why this show will be back next week. If you find yourself thinking this show really deserves to be listened to by 99.9% of the world's population, then why not be the change? And once you've stopped pushing a B into a 2P coin, which isn't very nice, and the Animal Welfare Bill will get you, why not recommend this show to someone who actually might like it? You can also join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash parpolbro, or buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro, and maybe even give this podcast a shiny five our review at Apple Podcasts or similar fruit and audio based sites. Graciousness and stuff to ACAST, my bro, the last skeptic, and Cat Day. And this will be back next week when Rishi Sunak's computer crashes and the economy collapses while he waits on hold on the phone for three days till he gets through and is told to turn it off and then back on again. Bye. This week's show is sponsored by Lee Anderson's How to Cook on a Budget. Hundreds of recipes that if you're struggling, you can cook for just 30p. Use of a Michelin-starred restaurant's kitchen, the finest Le Crusade collection, and Gordon Ramsay as a personal chef. If you're struggling with the cost of living, Lee Anderson's How to Cook on a Budget shows you that if you're willing to fly around the world, you can pick many of the exotic ingredients for free. How to Cook on a Budget, with a forward by Michael Gove, explaining how if you do several lines first, you'll have a smaller appetite anyway. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.